Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today is like a revenge day for Maddie. Um, <laughs> Maddie, um, if you're a regular listener, you probably noticed that Maddie was not in the last two episodes that we released. And unfortunately, that's just because when we recorded them, she was not with us. Uh, one of them, we were on the road and one of them... I think you probably had a meeting or something or yeah. we didn't have enough microphones or something like <laughs> yeah. that. But she's back today. I'm and back and it's just the two of us. That's right. Justin's not here. Justin is on vacation. And may I say, first of all, how dare he? I know. This beautiful week I know. in July and he's spending I it on know. vacation instead of in this office. That's, yeah. I mean, he's had some he's had some uh, some rough luck with some stuff happening to his house you know weather wise and stuff yeah so this is he's probably the most deserving of of a vacation right now (laughs) yeah so he's on vacation so we're gonna do one without him and today we wanted to do another sustainable living series episode we haven't done one in a while yeah and i personally love this series because i think it's really valuable to learn little facts that you might not think about in your daily life that can help your household become more sustainable just one little step at a time. Yeah, and so the first episode we did was about reducing the use of plastics in your life. Just overall, it was a very broad kind of general episode. And then the second episode was about how you can be more sustainable in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And we covered from pretty much from the grocery store to leftovers. And this week we wanted to expand upon that and kind of go into food waste. Specifically uh, seafood. Yes. Waste. Yeah, of course. Naturally. <laughs> because, you know, seafood is kind of our thing. <laughs> Says the man wearing a lobster shirt. I do have lobsters all over my shirt. <laughs> Fun story about this shirt. So I got this. I was um, on the Macy's website. <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember why. I guess I just needed clothes. Just browsing. And I saw that. Or you know what? It was probably a Target ad. And oh. To be honest, it was probably a Target ad. I saw this shirt and... It was labeled as a a shrimp print, and I was like, that's awesome. It's a shirt with shrimp all over it, and I bought it, and I loved it, and I wore it, and then someone pointed out to me that I did not look close enough, and it's actually spiny lobster all over it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely lobster. Yeah, but that's fine because lobster is also delicious, but I was kind of hurt that they advertised (laughs) it as a shrimp shirt, and I think it just emphasizes that people don't know much about seafood in general it's a good example it is so if you want to see (laughs) sean's shirt plug for our twitter we'll we'll post a picture of it yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll get a a photo of the the shrimp shirt that is not shrimp the lobster (laughs) shirt you lose that alliteration that's probably what it is yeah that is definitely what it is alliteration is key so if you have a fantastic seafood themed piece of clothing that you'd like to share with us make sure you share that with us on twitter at at aquademia pod and we'll make sure to leave a plucky comment probably making fun of you but it's okay because i'm wearing one right now so you can make fun of me too yeah feel free to make fun of him all right so maddie is the um our kind of sustainability guru she 
spearheads these episodes. I'm going to hand it off to her to just start this conversation, and I'm just going to go along for the ride because you're the one that did all the research for this, so (laughs) hit me with it. Yeah, so also, if you have any questions at any point, just stop me. Okay, so... This week, we are talking about food waste and composting and why it's important and why you should implement it in your life. If you've never heard of composting, it's a form of processing your own food waste that can be super low maintenance if you want it to be, or you can make it high maintenance if you have extra time on your hands. Essentially what it is, is you compile your food waste at the end of a meal. You could put it in a bucket. Like organic waste. Yes. So we're talking... We're not saying like the the packaging that your meat came in. Yes. That is a very important distinction. Like it has to be organic food waste that can be broken down naturally. Right. So your watermelon rinds, carrots, anything that you can think of that could be decomposed. And traditionally- I feel like banana peels are like the poster child for composting. The composter child. Oh, that was really good. (laughs) Can you tell I have two kids? (laughs) Dad jokes. (laughs) So, and traditionally that composting doesn't include meat just because it takes a lot longer to break down. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Traditionally it doesn't. It just involves a little bit more effort if you want to do, if you want to include meat. I just figured anything that was food that you wouldn't want to throw in your trash can, you just throw in a compost pile. Yeah. So... If you do want to include meat, then you just have to be a little bit more mindful. So you need to have a proper nitrogen to carbon ratio. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because we need to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Because that's getting in the weeds. What is composting? Because I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it and maybe a lot of people already do it. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that that's it. They've just heard of it, but they don't know what it is or how it works or what you do, how much work goes into it. I feel like when I think about composting, it seems like a lot of work. Right. I think that's a lot of people's perspective. And that comes up a lot in these sustainable living episodes is it just seems like a lot of work. But, you know, how can we easily move into this and bring this as part of our life? So so let's back up and talk about what composting actually is. Sure. So composting has been going on for hundreds, if not thousands. Actually, yes, I'm going to say it's <laughs> been going on for thousands of years. And essentially, well, in a way, it's kind of been going on since, you know, the earth the dawn of time since like carbon was a thing yeah <laughs> literally it has so anyway <laughs> so it's been going on for a really long time and essentially what it is is the purposeful breaking down of organic materials and how you can implement that in your life is at the end of your meal when you have the remnants of things you chopped up the ends of your peppers that you didn't want to eat, the ends of the your heads of lettuce and banana peels. The stuff that goes into the, uh, what is it? The little disposal. Dispose, the garbage in the disposal. Sink. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're like me and don't have a disposal, you, you put yeah, it in the trash Yeah, I'm not can. fancy enough for that either. So the stuff that you would put in your garbage disposal, you can compile that, put it in a container, a bucket or something that you take out to your backyard at the end of the day, put it in a little pile and it will start to break down. And the more it breaks down, the closer it becomes to soil. And then because it's full of this nutrient-rich organisms, it can then be used as really, really great fertilizer and soil for a garden. So flowers or more vegetables if you want to be super self-sufficient. And 
Yes, you are right. It does involve more work than just shoving it in your trash can. But I want to argue that composting can be more beneficial to you than it even is to the environment. And that's saying a lot because it's really good for the environment. And not just in what it takes away, as in like plastic bags full of uneaten food in a landfill, but also what it adds to the environment. Right. Right. And it can save you money and it also provides a place for your smelly food waste that you don't want stinking up your house for a week until the garbage man comes to pick it up. And then it also gives you this rich soil that you can use or donate or sell whatever you want to do with it. Or just have a giant pile. Yeah. Or just have a giant (laughs) pile and be garbage man. (laughs) Compost man. (laughs) Compost man. (laughs) (laughs) So... One thing that we wanted to bring up with this episode is that composting doesn't have to be the traditional vegetable fruit remnants that you think of it as. You can compost seafood and you can compost shellfish shells. Now, does that go in the same category you mentioned earlier that you don't, some people don't compost meat because it takes a little more work and a little more time with fish fall in that category? It does, but not to the extent of red meat. So when you are committing to composting your seafood, also I just want to mention that Native Americans have composted seafood for hundreds of years because it's it provides such great soil for growing things in Hmm. Um, because it has fish oil in it, really great nutrients. It's good for soil like it's good for you. (laughs) And when you are composting seafood You need to keep in mind that there has to, in order for it to break down like to the best of its ability and quickly, you need to be mindful of the ratio of nitrogen to carbon, which is the scary thing that I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Yeah. People, I mean, chemistry is scary. Yeah. So a lot of people. Hopefully this will make it a little easier. So carbon equals wood chips, your food, things like that, bark, mulch, soil, Things yeah. that you Pe- think people of. People have heard, heard the term carbon-based organism, right? Right, exactly. And that's Plants. basically living things. Yes. We're, we're carbon-based. So anything that we eat, anything that grows, or even like our waste products, I w- I'm not going to say put human waste in <laughs> compost pile, but my compost pile in my backyard is basically uneaten hay mm-hmm. and, because I have goats and chicken poop <laughs> and wood shavings. You know, it's, And it's, I bet that's really good for It's the waste from the, from the animals. Mm-hmm. That I gather up and I got to clean out the barn and I got to clean out the coop and like I put it in a big pile, you know, cut out area of the woods in my backyard. And that's my compost pile. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you use it for anything? Uh, no, it smells terrible and it is taking forever to break down. <laughs> but I don't It's because I don't normally move it. Or, you know, this is what we said, like compost takes work. Mm-hmm. You need to, for it to actually efficiently break down into soil and and. You need to work it around. You need to kind of sh- mix it up. And, and every once in a while, you got to go out there and turn it over. And, you know, it needs to maintain an internal temperature and stuff. So the best stuff that we've seen out of composting from our animals is the when we clean out the barn after the winter. And because in the winter, we just pile up more and more wood shavings and straw and, and uneaten hay. And they pee and poop in there. And so it's just, it's just a big pile that gets higher and higher. And then at the end of the winter, we clean it all out. And the base layer of it is basically broken like down. almost broken down. Yeah. And it's very warm. We do that because it stays warm. So when they're laying there in the winter, they can get some heat from it because the process of it breaking down releases heat. So you need to maintain that internal temperature in a compost pile to make it actually biologically break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to the carbon nitrogen thing. So like Sean was saying, carbon is what we traditionally think of as compostable materials. 
plants, things that take in carbon. And then the nitrogen is the fish. So a good rule of thumb is to have three parts carbon to every one part nitrogen. So for the amount of fish that you put in there, you want to have three times the amount of Everything other else. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Banana peels and apple yeah. cores. And, and that doesn't have to be exact. It's just a general idea of how to visualize. Basically more. Yeah. You don't want to just have a giant pile of dead fish in your backyard. Exactly. That would take forever. Dear listeners, if you have a giant pile of dead fish in your backyard, please take a picture and send it to us on Twitter. <laughs> at AquademiaPod. Please, I want to see it. <laughs> That's all. I really hope that we get a picture of dead fish in someone's backyard. We have that a lot of listeners crazy. that work in the seafood industry. I'm sure they I'm can not, send I us. I wouldn't be surprised. Send us your piles of dead fish. Hashtag pile of dead fish. <laughs> We're starting a movement. Hashtag pile of dead fish. So yeah, that's the general rule of thumb for composting seafood. And it's super valuable if you want to use it for soil in the future. Another thing that you don't think of as something that you can compost is shells like shells from shellfish so clams mussels that kind of thing and crustacean shells too right i mean those those are super compostable that's a lot of calcium and stuff in in those shells there's other stuff you can do with shells too that we can get into down down the road Mm -hmm. in this episode but i want to talk about because this is so my wife and i in our house we have two little kids they're both in diapers and we create a lot of waste. And I've mentioned that before. We we have an ungodly amount of waste. So we're starting to try and take steps to, to be better. Yeah. We, yesterday you brought yeah. in your reusable Ziploc bags my, for lunch. My lunch yesterday had no waste. That was really awesome. Zero waste. I even I don't even have apple cores because I eat the entire apple, which people think is crazy. But why, That why is kind of crazy. Yeah. But whatever. I'm still kicking. So... <laughs> We, you know, we bought these reusable plastic bags, but one thing we don't do is we don't actively compost. And so how could we, my family, get started doing that? What 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 steps do we take to start doing that? Because I don't want to, I'm not, it's not, I assume it's not as simple as every night we just gather up the food that we didn't eat and go throw it in the backyard. Yeah. So... If you want to do it and do it right, you can just keep a pile in your backyard to prevent it from being sitting in a plastic bag in a landfill. But if you want to do it right and actually use it for soil and fertilizer in the future, then it's good to turn it. I put air quotes around that. Finger quote But you turn. can't see. <laughs> um, Hashtag finger quote. <laughs> <laughs> so turning it involves just like shoveling it and moving it around so that it's mixing with different things and different things are touching it because that helps it break down more quickly. And if you turn it about every week, every two weeks, even once a month, that will help it compost a lot more quickly. So you just go out there with like a shovel. Yep. Or like move a it all around, or something shake it up. And just kind of stir it. Mm-hmm. Stir the pot. Stir the pot. Stir the stir the pile. <laughs> and um, another helpful tip is if you cover it with a tarp or something like that, that keeps the smell in, and it also helps yeah, it. Go I was going to say, how, I feel like compost piles smell really bad. They smell really bad. So I don't want my yard smelling really bad. Is that a common thing? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So for that, I would say putting a tarp over it is the best way to conceal the smell. Okay, I might need to try that. And that also helps it go more quickly too. 
Um, And another thing that you can do, I haven't looked into this myself, so I don't know how feasible it is, but once your compost is like mostly broken down, you can donate it or sell it to Hmm. a fertilizing company or like, I don't want to say Home Depot because I don't know if they would do that, but like- Like a landscaper. Landscaping company. Landscaping company, property management Mm -hmm. companies. I know because, where we live, where I live, there's a lot of independent companies. Like yeah. I actually have two close friends that I grew up with. What's up, Cole and Isaac? Love you guys. <laughs> they both own their own landscaping companies. Mm, yeah, that that's like that's a perfect example of who could use it and yeah. use it well. So what about shells? Yeah, shells are cool. There's, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of different uses for shells, but I don't. I assume they're coming from, you know, processing plants mm-hmm. and you know people that are able to produce tons and tons of shells at one at one time but you know you see people who have like oyster shell driveways mm-hmm. and stuff like that and i feel like it's always oyster shell that you see because probably because they're thicker and they're or a durable. lot of they're a lot of calcium very durable i mean i know i buy bags of crushed oyster shell to give to my chickens mm. and they they just eat it and it gives them more calcium and the shells of That's their so interesting. the shells of their eggs are are stronger and it's just crushed oyster shell so wow there's got to be something that you can do with if you have a big you know big meal with mussels or clams or scallops or something i guess scallops people don't really get the shells too much they kind of buy it already prepared mm-hmm. but what are some options of things that we can do with the shells i guess you could just put them in your compact compost bin but yeah. i feel like they would take a long time to break down they would However, because of the calcium and the other vitamins that are in the shells, they help absorb the acidity in your combo. So from like strawberries or blueberries. So if you like crush them up, will they will that yeah. work better? Yes. So clean them before you put them oh, in your really? compost. Yeah. Just wash them out, crush them up, and then if you put them in your compost, they will help take out the acidity and Again, make it go more quickly. I I feel like a lot of the tips that we're giving are to help it make the process go more quickly. Just because composting does take a while. It's not like every month you have a new set of soil Right, it may take over several seasons to actually break down, right? Exactly, yeah. So it's it's a slow-moving process. Like my pile is still just a pile of hay and poop. Right, exactly. (laughs) Except for the bottom. That's true, like but I haven't. Said. But that's in in the barn. That's a more closed. I, I maybe I'll go out there this week and take a big pitchfork and a gas mask out there and <laughs> yes, stir it right. up and see if we get soil at the bottom. Because maybe at the bottom of the pile, it's it's pretty good. I also put I my I also put my grass clippings in, on there. Does yeah, that help too? That is really good too, and that's a really good place to put your grass because otherwise, I just have this really big cutout in the woods that you can't see from my yard, but if you walk out there it's like an open space so i just dump everything out there that's awesome so anything that i know will break down i throw out there but i don't actively use it as a compost pile mm-hmm. it's just like a place to put stuff right what about compost bins yeah that's i feel like you hear that a lot or you see that online like you know kitchen compost bin or garage compost bin mm-hmm. or outdoor compost bin so i think that when you hear the term compost bin it's likely associated with an actual commercial composting company. That was some alliteration right there. Commercial composting company. Yeah, that was good. That was, <laughs> that was very well done. For example, actually at our office last summer, we looked into getting a composting 
service at our office and we found a local one called the mr fox composting company shout out mr fox yeah thanks mr fox for getting our compost every week so they're fabulous yeah they're amazing so mr fox they have home plans and business plans so we have two composting bins in our office in both of the kitchen slash kitchenette areas of our office and Everyone puts their food waste in there. You can even put napkins, paper towels. And since they are a commercial composting company, you can put meat in there too, dairy, cheese, all that stuff because they have the proper facilities to turn that into compost quickly. Hmm. And I want to say it's $25 a month and they come every single week to pick up your compost. And that's a business. Yeah. So it would be even cheaper for a home plan. Oh, fascinating. And... They, and these compost bins are like they're like tightly sealed. Right. Like they're literally just sitting in the middle of our office and you don't smell them. You don't smell anything. Yep. Except on Friday mornings when they're about to come pick it up. If you open <laughs> that, you will smell it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's basically just a trash can that has a really tight seal on it and it's full of just uneaten food. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's in it. So and, it's gonna it's gonna smell. And when we first got it, we were like, I don't know if we'll be able to fill it up all the way every single week. But it's been so surprising. I mean, we have 50 people in the office that each that eat lunch every day. And the amount of food waste that we produce, we fill both bins up every single week. And they're the size of probably a small trash can. Yeah, like a kitchen trash can. Yeah. So it's just crazy how much food waste that we produce even just eating lunch every day. So the amount of food waste that you could be saving if you start a compost pile or if you sign up for a composting service, it really makes a difference. It's interesting. And if you live in a city where and you can't compost on your own in your That's backyard, a good way to do it. yeah, you that get would one of be, these bins, and they supplied the bins. Yeah, you didn't we have didn't to have to, have to do anything. They give us liners for the bins every week, and they just take it and take it to their facility, which is like twenty minutes up the road, <laughs> and they have this like giant operation of like fields of compost it's really cool that's crazy the only thing that's um the downside to that is you don't get the benefit of having like if you you know if you're a gardener if that's a hobby that you have is gardening or Mm -hmm. if you want to try growing some vegetables or you know you need to fill in (laughs) holes in your yard in your grass or something you know you don't get that it's not free soil for you yeah exactly it's too bad so it's it's a give and take you can either get the benefits of having a compost pile and put in the work or you can take the easy way out and let someone else do all the work for you but you don't get the benefits so it's whatever is more worth your time I think like in our office obviously we don't have the time to create a compost pile and behind our office and I don't right. know if our property management company would yeah like that. we're in the middle of a <laughs> of a you know, big office park type area. It's actually right next to an Air Force base. Mm-hmm. So it's we're surrounded by office buildings. And yeah. there's a daycare right next door. <laughs> like right outside our door is like where the kids have recess. So <laughs> I'm sure they'd love to play in <laughs> the compost pile. Yeah, so uh, probably so, wouldn't, wouldn't want that. Yeah. So this option was just a lot more feasible for us and for people that live in areas like this, like in a city, then that would probably be the best option for you. And I know Mr. Fox does mo- a lot of northern New England in the USA. So if you live near that area, you should look into them. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that 
there isn't there's one not an option you. for you where you live so just look up your area and just do look i would google composting services and then whatever your area is that you live so that's pretty cool um yeah do we do you know of any seafood companies that are actively kind of composting their scraps i, I know a lot of processing plants and a lot of fish producers and and um you know some these places that are kind of doing fish farming and processing at their facilities are trying to find ways to be as close to zero waste as possible. And I know a lot of them are sending out their fish scraps to be used as compost or to be broken down as an ingredient for feed for other animals or something mm-hmm. like that. Cat so, food. Yeah. Like Do that. you know, um, have you heard any kind of anecdotes of any f- seafood companies that are doing this kind of stuff? So I don't know of any specific ones, but it's I would say it's a pretty common practice for fishing companies and aquaculture facilities to sell their food scraps because, like you said, so many other animals eat fish food. So it can benefit from the yeah, fish it, oils. It is and stuff just like that. such a healthy food that right. it just it just makes sense to continue the processing give it on to pass it on to someone or something else and ideally what is supposed to happen with fish scraps is that it's supposed to be returned to the ecosystem that it came from however with fishing companies today doing that isn't necessarily the best option for the ecosystem that you would be returning it to just because of invasive species and the the ecosystems have just changed so much in our lifetimes that that's not really a great practice yeah, you anymore. You get like an overabundance of nutrients algae. and organic material in there and then you could cause algal blooms and things. So. Exactly. So it's I think that a lot of companies are catching on to the fact that they don't have to just dump their waste. They can actually make money off of it by selling it to someone else that will use it hmm. happily. Yeah, I mean, it's like a win-win. I mean, instead of finding a way to pay for some waste company to come take all this stuff away. Why don't you have someone pay you that wants it and can do something with it? So exactly. Um, if you're, you know, if you're a fish producer or a processor or, um, you know, working in a fishery, you know, look into this. If you know, if you're not already, if you don't already have something set up with someone, I'm sure there's people that are willing to take. If your job is to collect oysters and mussels and you bag them up or you, you you're processing them and you know, you're processing scallops and putting them in cans and stuff, and then you have all these shells. I'm sure there's someone that's willing to pay for all of those shells. Mm-hmm. So definitely look into that. And if you have something set up, let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear about it. Podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about with composting? To summarize this, really, it seems like something that would be a lot of work, but it's really not. It's basically instead of throwing your uneaten food in the garbage disposal or in your trash can put it in a bucket and then after you're done washing the dishes just bring that bucket outside put it in a pile in your backyard somewhere and uh you know every once in a while go out there and just kind of stir the pile hashtag stir the pile and you'll be composting it's really that easy yeah it's as much work as you want it to be and if you want to just have a pile and let it sit there and decompose on its own then it will do that it just might take a little longer But it's definitely a worthwhile investment if you want some nice soil and fertilizer. And if you have fish going in there, which you should, because hopefully if you're a regular listener to this episode, to this podcast, you are eating seafood on a regular basis. 
getting your two meals in a week <laughs> and uh, making sure that your friends are eating more seafood too. So that seafood is just going to help result in better compost. Yeah. It just goes to show what a valuable thing seafood really is. Like mm-hmm. it just contributes so much to humans, animals, and the environment. It's really remarkable. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, that's pretty much it. All right. Thanks Thanks. for letting me be rightfully in the spotlight this week. You got it, Maddie. (laughs) I feel like we we should have signed a contract or something that everyone is going to get a couple of their own their own episodes yeah you need your own episode what would you talk about uh, the first couple episodes were just me yeah that's and true. a little bit of justin so i already had my time in the spotlight <laughs> your old hat at this yeah point. no one really listens to the show to hear my voice they want to hear the, the guests and they want to hear you guys so if you have any questions about composting feel free to shoot them at our email address podcast at aquaculturealliance.org Or if you have comments, feedback about the podcast, we would love to hear what you have to say. And you can also follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. And if you're feeling crazy, then you can leave us a voicemail at 1603-384-3560. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, give us your tips on composting. And remember, I want to see those pictures on Twitter at at AquademiaPod. Hashtag pile of dead fish. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see how people are composting their seafood and what benefit they've gotten from it. So make sure you do that. I know it's silly, but you got to be silly. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, I'm Sean Laughlin. I'm Maddie Cassidy. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hopefully Justin will be here. (laughs) Adios.